Did you just say a cuss word? I did. Is this a family-friendly podcast? Yeah, for real. Oh, hell no. From Atlanta, where we rate our Uber drivers on aggressiveness in traffic. The yellow blinking light means slow down, not stop, asshole. It's the Whole World Improv Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell and a man who's being well-trained by his new dog, John Mihalik. Oh my god, John, what kind of dog? Oh my god, is it like a little cocker spaniel? Or is it a little... Fun fact about Kate, if she sees any little tiny fluffy animal for about three seconds, she will cry. Welcome to the Whole World Podcast. I'm Chip Powell. I'm Jam Malik. Together, we have our Whole World Podcast, and we have two very special alumni on with us today. We have Michael Snow. Hello. <laughs> and we have Anna Humphrey. Okay. Michael, talk to us about your whole world origins. My whole world origins? Well, I was uh, I was trying to think of something, a foolish story to tell you, but I'll just tell the truth. David Webster, the founder of Whole World Theater, the first dude of Whole World Theater, he, his mother and my mother went to Catholic school together. and They were still friends and our families were friends. So we grew up together. David and my brother ran in the same circle. They got into trouble together. So when David moved to Atlanta, and um, was starting things up there. He just said, hey, why don't you move down here? And I'm starting a theater company. It was that simple. And I was like, oh, I'll be down in three weeks. And I drove down and started joining in and taking the classes. What about you, Annie? What's your gritty origin story? Actually, Chip is my intro to Whole World. I think you took me to a show. Mm -hmm. And it was back in the day before there were stairs in the place. And I had never seen improv before live. I can actually still remember. I walked in, we sat. I remember seeing Jenny Andrews performing. Michael Sweeney was in the show. Bill was in the show, Phil Cater. And Jenny Andrews was in the show. And I don't remember who else was in the show, but I remember thinking how terrifying it must be to do improv and how I was blown away by Jenny. I thought she was just so funny and so smart. And I've still like once or twice in my life, I've seen someone perform and have been floored by them. And she floored me. And I just thought like, she's a magician. I don't know how she does that. You know, like she's so smart and so good and never thought about it again. And then I don't know what happened. I guess I think the person I was with at the time got me classes probably through Chip. You were starting to be at Whole World a lot then. Yeah. And I think I got purchased classes to overcome my shyness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <She> was shy. <laughs> That's true. Wait a second. I don't know this person you're talking about. Annie. You do. You do. Yeah, yeah, you do. No, she was really shy when she first came. I had just started <laughs> teaching the classes and uh, running the class program. And I put her in Lance's class. And Lance was like, oh, my God, she's uh, she's great. She's brilliant. But, uh, you know, I was like, she's not going to see it that way. <laughs> I, I literally used to throw up in the dumpster out back before any show, before my student show, I threw up in that dumpster. I kind of- You should have been drinking, Annie. Well, someone should have told me. But yeah, I was so shy that it just terrified me. But at the same time, I really, I really liked it. 
And then, so I actually, Lauren Tarquinio was my first teacher. That was a very quick little class. And then Lance, my next teacher. And then right in that moment, all the girls in the main stage got pregnant. So (laughs) I was in. Like, they were like, we need you. You're not going anywhere. We need estrogen on the stage. I I went from a six-weeks beginner class to an eight-weeks class to performing on the main stage. Yes, and I just I just got in right at the like, oh no, no, you need to start performing and you're not gonna have a break for five years because everyone's pregnant and having children. So do that. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've heard of women thinking their cycles, but not for pregnancy. Right. Oh god, John, you have no idea. Like everybody got pregnant, right, Chip? Like oh my god. There were like six or seven women at the whole world theater that got pregnant within like three months of each other. Yeah. And us gay guys, we were just kind of like dancing on the top of the earth. We're like, no, nah, life is not changing. We would still go out partying, and everybody yeah. else was like, We're turning into adults like that. Well, it was a very famed night at Backstreets that this night occurred when <laughs> Michael and I were watching. We had a big screen back in the back. We were watching some movie. God only knows what we had taken that night. Everybody was back at the theater and Michael and I fell asleep on the sofas and I woke up and I started walking through the theater and in the front, Anna and Lauren were naked. I don't know if we're talking about this uh, on a They would be proud. They were improvised. And then the Then uh, there were two, I'll say there were two on stage. Let's just say allegedly after everything. Allegedly. No, well, actually, we, is, we can't say allegedly because their kids are in college now. <laughs> it happened, and I want to take these classes. I want to- <laughs> that was the day that I had an open door, uh, like I had office hours where I would meet with students, and shortly thereafter, I stopped doing that because it was usually some girl crying that her instructor had slept with her and could she please move to the next person's class and uh, a lot of that and I was like you know what Um, office hours are closed now and let's take a moment right here to say that whole world improv theater is no longer like that we have a very strict policy (laughs) I don't know about that you are safe here at Whole World Improv Theater. Remember our class program does not obligate anybody. No, we, we made the mistake so you don't have to. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh my God. The shows when we were running and we were selling out and the craziness began and everything, like what are your memories of those days? My television was coming in because I knew at one point we were all going to move to L.A. And there was so much talk about that. And I had to go explain to Bob. I was like, um, (laughs) yeah, everybody had to go have a conversation because we were all like, we're going, we're going to L.A. You know, then that changed and then Turner comes and it was a crazy ass time to be here. What are your memories of that, Michael? Oh, that's a lot. I think you're talking about a long period of time. You know, it didn't seem to really happen so fast in my memory because I was in every space and in every show and in every venue, just there from for a really long time getting to that point. You know, like the shows were selling out and we kind of didn't even realize it. You know, we were all these people were coming back again and again and again because we were these 
you know, young, crazy, swearing, you know, humping comedians. And then all of a sudden, these other opportunities, like you're mentioning, were in front of us. And because it was just kind of like a group, you know, cult mentality to a certain degree, where we're all just kind of like, yeah, like looking at each other, like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And, you know, within one evening, the idea of moving to Los Angeles had been proposed to all of us. And within two hours, we all went home, like you said, to tell our partners and say, we're going to LA. And then, you know, two months later, we're not going to LA. And, you know, always taking it in stride and being excited about turning every corner. It was just very exciting. You know, we thought we were the king shits of the world and we acted like it. Or living in Atlanta at that time, it felt like we were getting a lot of attention. You know, all the attention that made us feel like we were doing something interesting, you know, somebody letting you into a club makes you think you're cool. You know, that's not necessarily true. That's what we thought, but it was very exciting. And we were just busy, busy, busy. Like you guys were saying, we, we were, you know, not only rehearsing and doing shows a number of uh, nights a week, but we're also having to teach classes and build the stage and stuff. We did it all. So it was all consuming. Our lives were surrounded by, you know, a lot of people lost their boyfriends or girlfriends because they were so resentful and jealous of what we all had down there. Right. It was our whole life. Annie, what are your, like your memories of the Turner days? I mean, just to add to what Michael was saying. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It was so intense. I just remember, I think we had like kind of one day a week when we technically weren't doing something at the theater i was doing renegades as well so i wasn't ever not participating in something to do with the theater on top of teaching classes and it would just almost make you anxious when you weren't around everybody because you just kind of didn't know how to be without each we other we all got together on that day off yeah That's, we would we were like friends. what are you doing you know it was like oh yeah yeah so i think you would go to the uh, because the snow house on uh, 12th street exactly like, and plus you know you already are probably waking up in that house on sunday oh, not knowing yeah. where you are for a minute or you're emily in has a very famous wake up in that house right well everybody woke up at each other's houses and then you'd have to get home and then so like half the day is gone so you might get like five hours by yourself and then it all starts again the next week so you're very much in a bubble and for better or worse we treated those shows so seriously i mean it was really a passion for everybody there it, the stakes were very high they felt very high before anything was going on and we all really wanted it we were all really hungry plus you're in a bubble plus you're surrounded by all these people who are doing the same thing so in a strange way like as small as a, a turner show is it felt like a natural progression it was kind of like of course and i had a very small part in that show but it felt like okay this is the beginning of this will happen now because they're going to see how talented my friends are and stuff's going to happen so it kind of just made sense. Like everything that happened, it wasn't a surprise. It was like, oh, of course, which is so insane. Like, and I still work in TV and film. I would never think that way now. It's so hard for lightning to strike. And the fact that it did twice with us, like right away, is kind of kind of crazy. But there was just such an energy there. Like it was hard to be in the audience and not feel that. We all felt it on the on the stage. Like it was the thing driving us forward and keeping us afloat. We were all exhausted. That energy propelled us for years. It just seemed kind of bizarrely natural. Completely submerged in it. And you didn't realize how much of a, it was just one big snowball, like one big, you know, everybody feeding into this forward energy. Yeah. So when I eventually left Atlanta and moved up here to New York, that's the way I assumed everybody worked. So I was just 
constantly like, what are we doing? When I would get together with people to improvise or film something or write something, you know, we'd be just, what are we doing? And I just assumed we were all going to do it together. And everyone was so, you know, in doing their own thing up here. I was just kind of like, wait, I don't get it. Why are we not, why is not everybody just jumping and running in the same direction naturally? Because that's what we did. We didn't even think, right? We were so young and yeah. you know, horny for it. Well, I think also like there's a, and um, this is a thing that anybody who's been in a group of funny people too, you're all kind of in love with each other in a weird way. Like there's nobody that laugh, makes you laugh harder than like the, I'm so, the audience and the energy was so important and they were so wonderful and it was so great to be part of that. But we probably just would have done it anyway because legitimately that is still the funniest group of people I've ever been around. There was yeah. not a day that you weren't been over laughing, laughing at some point, you know? Yeah hysterically about nothing right i mean just driving places with you idiots like we would get yeah. get pulled over <laughs> by the police for illegal writing you know just like who, we, who did didn't you get didn't you get a ticket for yelling out the window at somebody yes yeah. yes because you just yes. that was me you can like drive somewhere without like somebody screaming I a ticket as a passenger i don't know how that's even possible <laughs> Amazing. Well, you probably wouldn't get a ticket now because there's a lot of craziness going on around Midtown now. Hey there, did you know that Whole World is opening up for live shows again? Yeah, just as the whole world is opening up for everything. Good. <laughs> Join us in a safe, socially distant pod for some great improv and lots of laughs. We're still following the CDC guidelines to ensure that everyone has a great time. But honestly, what does the CDC know? If they were really on their game, The Walking Dead would have ended by season two. There's hand sanitizer galore and it's pretty airy. No need to hug or touch anyone. Who wants to do that? You know, I was living in Portland, Maine, and I was, you know, taking, there was a small theater there. I would take an acting class. And then I took an improv class there and was like, it's just one of those things, as we all know, when you take your first improv class, you're just kind of like, oh, this is hilarious and fun. You know, you have a knack for it. So I took the class there. And then when, like I was saying, David went, moved down there and started teaching, I just moved down. So I learned everything I learned about being on stage and improvising with Whole World Theater right at the get-go before we were even in the space. David was teaching down in Elizabeth Street, where actors, right, well, where Actors Express used to be, right? It's not there anymore. You know, there was a studio in a basement, and he threw a brown carpet on the floor and started teaching improv classes. And that's where I took a class with Wes and and Anna, you know, and then we started doing that goofy Whole World show. So I learned everything with Whole World Theater. My last class before you guys brought me into main cast, we had broken in here during uh, Bitches and Women Behind Bars. Right. It was a mess over there. Oh, yeah. And the room where our cafe back closet is was my classroom. It was Lance, me, and three other ladies. Four of us would lay on the floor back there and talk about a dirty carpet. And then we would get up and we would do improv in that room. It was like... I mean, it's not even 10 by 10. It was the craziest thing, but I got to be a main cast member. You broke in here? 
Yeah. Well, you said you broke in here for bitches. So those listening, yeah, that's a show, John. That's a show. <laughs> oh, okay. it's, not like, it's not like there was some some women standing outside. <laughs> I guess I should have explained that. That's why I've got him here, so he can go. Uh, you need to hold up a second and explain what bitches is. <laughs> like, did you need to, I was like, oh shit, yeah. I guess we we should explain that. John, Chip, and I played cheerleaders in a show called Bitches, and he and I were girl cheerleaders teenage girl cheerleaders like um what was that like heathers and we were cheerleaders and chip murders me at the end of act one that's the show i, sh- I shoot him six times i was the good girl and he was the murderous well he was a dumb blonde well then i had to go to funeral i had to go to prison Right. Where I met, it was Webster. Peter, Peter Webster was playing my bitch in prison. And I had my monumental Oscar moment speech about revenge. <laughs> this was a scripted thing that you guys did here? Oh, yeah. We it was, yeah, it was very, very, uh, was one of the, it was um, popular before the improv was popular, actually. Yeah. yeah that was bigger than the, we couldn't get people into the improv shows um, when we moved to that space, because that was like our third space, we couldn't get anyone in there, but they started coming for these comedy shows, um, Bitches being one of them. There was another one called Women Behind Bars. To be in the scripted stuff, and I would have loved that. It was but fun. I'm jealous of those stories of like, they sounded like really great experiences. It was really fun, yeah. Yeah, there was some... You know, they picked a lot of ensemble pieces, you know, Bomb and Gilead. Chip, were you in Bomb and Gilead? No, no, I was probably stage manager. I mean, I saw it probably 10 times. Yeah, it was like 20, over 20 people in the cast in that, on that stage all at once. How did um, you guys transition from these scripted shows to the full on improv? It's a little complicated. Like David, when he started it, he didn't want, it wasn't started as improv shows. He wanted to do a new kind of improvisational theater. He wanted to do like a long form, but we started doing improv shows to make money. So we started doing shows out in Decatur at a place called Eddie's Attic. I don't know if that's still around. We would just stand up in front of microphones and we started doing shows there. And then, but that was what people started to be attracted to. So we were doing those kinds of shows and scripted shows, but each time we moved to a new theater space in the first two or three years, we had to start with our audience all over again. So when we moved into the theater where you guys are sitting, we would start our improv shows again. And literally, I remember doing a show where the only people we were doing the show for were the three people sitting on the couch in front of us. And they were my friends that I got there and we still did a show but they were coming for the scripted shows because we were able to promote it a lot easier and i mean it was called bitches and people were like what's this and all kinds of gay men would show up (laughs) so we built the audience you know i think from the scripted shows but then it just became the irreverence of the group really started to attract a lot of young kind of downtowny type people and it just I think you charmed them. You definitely, by the time I saw you guys, which wasn't that far in, you had a fan base. These people were throwing out like suggestions that were specific to certain actors or like they just clearly had been watching the shows, knew people on the show, wanted to hang out with them afterwards. Like they had fans, you know, like that was a Thursday night show was, um, was it Starship Chip? Is that the name of the porn company? There was, um, 
really. So there was. Uh, well, I know there's. I know there's Starship for people living yeah. at home uh, listening to this. Starship is a chain of adult mm-hmm. sin. Yes. All over the Atlanta area. Well, and adult uh, pleasure, adult pleasure, adult pleasure. Well, Skylar was our connection there. They even got us new toilet seats, and (laughs) they they did all kinds of stuff for us. And then you had him and Lee, right, and their crew, and there were a whole number of like tattoo artists that Mm -hmm. would come down, and um, so it was a combination of these kind of a real eclectic midtown kind of crowd that would see the shows you know we made some good connections at one point the cheetah yeah the cheetah they bought playbill ads and sponsored yeah. us and at one point we had the cheetah we had the cheetah but that year we we had started kids camp so we had to put it on the inside of the playbill <laughs> and then we had to this is when i start coming in here because yeah. i remember those yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, we got yeah. free porn, I remember, too. I got, like, a little thing of free porn somehow. I was like, what is this? Where, what is <laughs> yeah, this? Like, right. like, there were sex toys, too, yeah, right? Yeah. Being, like, a member of like, you might get recognized at the Atlanta airport, and then you'd get free sex toys, and you'd be like, what? Now <laughs> that you mention it, the um, Christmas tree and Pimps, Queens, and Dauphine's Christmas special was covered. That's how we decorated the tree, was with the sex the toys from the yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, awesome. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. Still piping hot from the oven. <laughs> The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and master of the mystic arts is Chip Powell. The producer, writer, and editor is John Mihalik. Come on, John. How many things do you really need to credit yourself with? Original music by The Gentle Readers. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. We'll be sending thank you cards to our listeners once we hit 10, so don't miss out. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible, so your money isn't being wasted on unnecessary things like roads or bridges. (gasps) Roads? Where we're going, we don't need additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. And John is talking about doing voiceover work now, so if you see him on the streets and you smack his ass because I don't need the competition. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See you next week. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. We're going to be picking up that damn ice machine. Oh, shit. Okay. Just hold for a second. We'll edit this out. The ice machine's going off here, so we're waiting for it to finish. Holding for ice. Holding, Holding for, ice. for ice. Let's pick it up from that Catholic schoolgirl thing, and maybe you could spice that story <laughs> up.